when the militia came, I showed my ID, and one of the killers said, get ready to kill. Hmm. And all of them raised their knives on the top of my head. So they're standing around you? Yes, around me. They surrounded me now. Are your friends, your friends are still my alive? My friends are there. They're, they're like frozen. They're, 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 they're just quiet because this is a death. I'm Dean Cullinate, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. At the beginning of the 20th century, the country of Rwanda was mostly populated by the Hutu ethnic group, who were traditionally crop growers. Now, over time, Rwanda attracted a second ethnic group, herdsmen, known as Tutsis. The Tutsis became landowners and the Hutus laborers. Naturally, this division of labor meant that the Hutus outnumbered the Tutsis. But it wasn't until the 1950s, when the European colonists arrived, that a divide came between the people. The Europeans favored the Tutsis for their taller and more aristocratic look. And as such, this group was to be both privileged and educated at the expense of the Hutus, leading to great tension between the two groups of people. In 1994, a plane carrying the Rwandan president, a Hutu, was shot down. Immediately after that, violence ensued. Hutu extremists launched their plans to destroy the entire Tutsi civilian population. All Tutsis were to be systematically murdered. Whether they tried to flee or stay in their homes, the Tutsis were hunted down like animals and slain without mercy. Local Rwandan radio stations and, and television networks would use propaganda to incite Hutus to turn on their Tutsi counterparts. Soldiers and police officers encouraged ordinary citizens to take part in the killings. Hutu civilians forced by military personnel were to murder their neighbors, their friends, and even their own relatives. Participants were given incentives in the form of money, food or land to kill as many Tutsis as they could. In the 100 days that the genocide lasted, over 800,000 people lost their lives. Our guest today, Dr. Fodidas Ndamu Mugabe, lived through this entire ordeal. And his story is truly breathtaking. In February, when I went to see my family back in, in the western part of the country, mm -hmm. actually without knowing that was going to be the last time I was going to see them because oh. all of them were going to be killed in the next two months. All so, of them? All of them. All of them. Uh, well, I was the last born and we were eight children. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a sister who lived abroad outside the country, but the six of them were killed and their children. So all, there were 34 of them, they were wow. killed. So I just went there. It was like, I was going to say bye. 
without knowing I was not going to see them anymore. And uh, But we sensed that something was wrong. And I came back to Kigali, the capital city, mm. and uh, I continued going to church as usual. I worshipped as usual with everyone else, Tutsis and Hutus mixed. I participated in evangelism uh, across the country. But in the month of April, then the evil erupted and then the, the, the killing started. Of course, it started with the shooting down of the plane of the, the, the then president of mm -hmm. the country. And when he died, they said, well, now the time has come. It is the Tutsis who have killed the president. We are going to kill everyone in the country. Wow. So we had to just stay in the house. Actually, they announced, they said, no one, no one in the country is supposed to leave the house. Just remain where you are. Just stay in the houses. And of course, that was the time to come in. They knew who was Tutsi uh, because IDs, identification cards had been given to. So everyone had an ID. Everyone had an ID. And, and this your told ID people whether you were Tutsi or Hutu. Exactly. Mm. If you were a Hutu, you could show your ID and they see you are Hutu, so you are safe. If you were Tutsi, you show your ID, they shoot at you immediately or they cut you into pieces. Fodidas stayed inside, as requested by the government. Essentially, the Tutsis were condemned to death, and they just had to patiently wait for it to arrive. It was a Saturday morning, and he had gathered some friends in his house so that they could pray together and read the Bible. While teaching from the scriptures, the militia arrived at Fodidas' door. The time had come to die. I could see them through the glass of, of the window right. and they said, no, you open or else we burn you inside. So they're they, outside shouting at you inside. Exactly. So we had to open. I was the one teaching and uh, as I was reading, I saw them. So we opened and when we opened, they said, all your IDs up. Now you have to show your ID mm -hmm. so that they know whom to right. kill and whom to let. So these men are armed. They are the armed, seriously armed. They have grenades, they have wow. knives, they have guns. So if you try to run, they will shoot at you. If you stay, they don't have to waste their bullet. They will just, you know, stab mm -hmm. you to death. And uh, they said, your ID, show your ID. So everyone was showing the ID. Uh -huh. And of course, there were some who did not have ID, maybe because they, they were Hutu, Tutsis and they were trying to hide. But I had decided not to hide anything. So I showed my ID. So so on your ID, it stated that you, Fodidas, you were Tutsi. a Tutsi. Yeah. There's other Tutsis with you, but they had maybe they thrown had their IDs away. Exactly. They had hidden them. But you decided that you would show them your ID. Exactly. Well, there was a reason. Why? Uh, there was a reason because I'd read the Bible in Psalms 15, several passages of the uh -huh. Bible, which tells that uh, you have to be faithful and you have to tell only the truth from your heart. I was a young person and I had known God from my young age. And so I said, no, I'm not going to die lying. Even if death comes, I better die, but being uh, without any blame from my God. So I have to tell the truth. And I had decided not to say any lie at whatsoever. There's some 
that would think, well, if I destroy my ID and they ask me for my ID and I tell them I have no ID, then I'm not lying. But for you, this is, you, you're looking at the scriptures and saying, no, this is still not being truthful. Well, the problem was not going to say I've lost the ID, but mm -hmm. you were to say I am Hutu, right? but I've lost the ID. Right, I see what you're and, saying. And so uh, there was no way I'm I was going to lie at yes. all. Mm -hmm. I said, no, no, no. I have to be true. And uh, I also trusted that God was able to protect my life. I mm -hmm. said, if God wants me to live. After all, anyone's life is in the hands of God. No one else is in charge. If God wants me to live, I will definitely live. If he accepts that I die because I have been honest, I didn't lie, then I'm going to die. And I said, I'm not going to just lie. So these, these armed men come into your house as you're teaching about the Bible. They ask for your ID and you show them that you are a Tutsi. Yes, I showed them. How are you here now? Well, what happened from God's that point? Miracles. God's miracles. And God, I, I thank God because he proved to me that he is the same God. He never changes. And when you cry unto him, he is a God who answers prayers. So what I did, I actually, I said, Lord, you've got to do something right here. Mm. You've got to protect my life and show me. And I said, Lord, I started preaching when I was uh, less than 20 years old. And uh, I talked about you. I talked about some experiences of people who worked with you in the past. Show me that you are the same God. And so when the militia came, I showed my ID. And one of the killers said, get ready to kill. Hmm. And all of them raised their knives on the top of my head. So they're standing around you? Yes, around me. They surrounded me now. Are your, friend, your friends are still my alive? My friends are there. They're, they are like frozen. They're, 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 they are just quiet because this is a death. These are people full of blood. They have been moving from one house to another, killing people. And so now this is our turn. So they know it is very serious. And now they are on my top, on the top of my head. They are ready to kill me. So everyone is just scared because they know maybe it is going to be next. They are going to be asked questions too. Right. So, and so they so all. What happens? And so all of them got ready to kill. Uh -huh. And uh, I felt like God inspired me. I took my Bible, which I had with me, I rose it and pointed it to the killer. One of them, I said, in that ID, it is written Tutsi, but in my heart, my citizenship is of heaven. In other words, I want to tell them that when we are the children of God, we have, yes, we can be called Tutsis or Hutus or white or black or whatever you call them, but these are, this is a new race, a new race, a new people a new group of people who have got another identity. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. Mm. And so that's what I was trying to convince them. And that was very serious when I, I, I was not scared. And, and right. one of wow. the killers said, no, he took my Bible, he threw it down, he trampled it under his feet. Mm. And I felt a shock. I said, Lord, I thought you were going to do something mm. about this. You were going to protect my life. Now you're doing nothing you yourself, you are being despised. Your word is being trampled. Mm -hmm. And guess what? God, he didn't do something. I expected, uh, <laughs> I thought of God being like me because he was just going to fight straight right. immediately, right? But God doesn't act that way. 
even when you stamp you you tramp on his word he's still god and he's still in charge so well <laughs> but he kept shouting imagine he's trampling he's right. stepping on the bible uh-huh. but no one dares to to stop me they are just looking at me with their knives knives ready and uh, then he said uh you come to your room imagine now they took me to the room mm-hmm. and they took everything i had what do you have here because we were young people i was just young say what do you have what is yours and i showed them everything that was mine they took everything and then they brought me back as if they were going to kill me i was mm-hmm. praying right. i was saying lord do something about this come and help me protect my life and immediately what actually happened one of the killers mm-hmm. as if the holy spirit had walked mm-hmm. he changed his mind he said we are not going to kill you Just we are going to kill the police the mili- they, they are going to come and kill you we will lock the house we lock you inside and call now imagine he has the knife he has he, actu- he actually had the gun right he had been killing why is he not killing me so out of nowhere just he decides he's not going to he decides kill he's not and, and his colleagues are very angry say why why don't we kill him uh-huh. and one of them stabbed me twice in the head wow twice and amazingly god protected my life even then there was nothing even today you can't see a scar i didn't go to any doctor and there was no wound no no wound i mean not at all that was a miracle so that was not the end because well they locked us inside uh-huh. but they left as soon as they left like uh, 30 to 40 minutes later they gave a key to one of the 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 people who came and opened for us but there was no way out we could not flee we we just right. had to stay inside and then like 2 to 1 hour probably they came back they i saw the chief militia they they their commander the one who said we're not going to kill you mm-hmm. we'll call the police to come and do it and i saw him coming i knew this time he was going to finish me right and i prayed but there was no way out i tried to jump the fence of my house it was surrounded by uh, uh, was a compound mm-hmm. so when i jumped i realized the militia had surrounded the house wow and so they asked me to lie down they said you lie, lie down we'll kill you and i lied down and i was praying and uh, until they waited until the chief came and when he reached where i was he lowered his knife he touched my throat and all of the sudden i took my bible again and pointed to him i said don't shed in his innocent blood i said i know what you're doing is not the right thing and he said why are you running away you have killed the president i said i'm not a killer and he said if you're not a killer why are you running you go back to your house interestingly they asked me to go back to my i said i will never run again never run again i went back to my house uh-huh. and uh, but that was not of course the end because the genocide was going to take several days right it was going to take three months and that was just the beginning it was the first week very soon i was going to leave the house because one of my friends came and uh, he told me he was just a neighbor he he came to, to to check out if we were still alive and he said are you still alive i said yes he said no there's no safety here people are dying like flies we better run out of the the city let's go out we didn't have a car we didn't have any way to travel even mm-hmm. those who had the cars they right. had no right to move with them uh-huh. and so we decided to quit 
and we prayed after we said the prayer. And uh, actually, because I, I knew there was no way to, to run because I had that ID, which I can call dirty ID, right. uh, with, with, with the name Tutsi. Uh -huh. And he asked me to tear it and, and throw it away. I said, no, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to be killed trying to curse and swear and, and tell people that I'm not this or this. I can live when God, if God wants me to live. And so he said, if you have that faith, let's go. So we moved. But that was going to be a very long journey. And a very long one it was. Fodidas and his friends set out to try and escape the city. But the Hutus had made it practically impossible to do so. Roadblocks were set up every half mile so that nobody could get out. The streets, the roads, everywhere was just littered with dead bodies. And it seemed inevitable that Fodidas would join them soon enough. But as it says in the Gospel of Mark, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. The very first roadblock, my friend tried to hide, to, to, to save me. He realized it was very tough. He was a courageous man. Uh -huh. He came back, he was ahead of me. He came back, he took my ID, he put it under his. So, uh, and uh, he, when he moved, they asked him the ID. His ID didn't have any problem. And then he finally uh, uh, moved away. And then when I reached, they said, where's your ID? I said, my friend has it. And he came back, he tried to trick them. He showed the same ID he had. <laughs> and they didn't notice, he said, okay, move on. Wow. So we moved on. So explain to me, what, is, what does a roadblock look like? Well, uh, there is a, a, a kind of a barrier uh -huh. uh, where that they have, Close the road. Right. They blocked the road. They put, you know, just like you can stop, you know, there are places you can't enter. So sure. anyone, any car, any person who comes, if you go through the road, you just have to go through a, a, a narrow place because uh -huh. they, they are sitting on the other side, right? right? So you have to go through that that so that they check your ID and kill, decide to kill you or to let you. So go. how how many um, how many killers would you expect to see at a roadblock? on average? Well, uh, in some instances, you could even have 20. These are gangs. Wow. These are young, 20, 30, uh, 15. So there's no way you can get through one there's of these. There's no way. There was no safety apart from just trusting in God and God alone was able to save somebody. There was no chance. There was no way to hide yourself because actually imagine it is the whole country mobilized to kill. And so you, everyone has become either a killer or a victim. Now, uh, people are being killed and, and so many bodies lying in the, in the right in the, the, the roundabout. Just there. And they discovered my ID. Now I have been praying. I said, Lord, close their eyes in Jesus' name. Every time I came across a roadblock, I uh -huh. said, Lord, close their eyes uh, so that they won't be able to read uh, what was written in my ID. <laughs> I said, close their eyes in the name of Jesus. And interesting. That prayer worked for, <laughs> for, for some time because I came across like three, four, five roadblocks and uh -huh. people could not read. And they just took it and, and then looked it at me and, and they said, you don't communicate with this robot group? I said, no. I said, go ahead. And others just say, you have an idea? I said, yes, go ahead. Go ahead. I said, close the eyes in the name of wow. Jesus. But this time along, their eyes was not closed. 
at the roundabout. The so first you reached person, a point where that stopped working. Exactly. I don't know why it didn't work the same <laughs> way it had worked before, but God uh-huh. had a plan. Because when I prayed, the very first militia who saw it, he shouted. He said, we found one, we found one. Get ready to kill. And every killer came. They came running. They came to me. They said, you see where your brother is lying? You go and lie beside him. We are coming to kill you. Now I had to go and lie beside a dead person. And I did not do that. You didn't lie down. I didn't lie. I went and stood there and I prayed. I said, Lord, this is a terrible moment. This is a time you have to show me that you are the God I've talked about. The God of I read from the Bible. If you haven't changed, show me that you are the really God whom I talked about. And God proved to me that he's still the same. I don't know why he did that to me, but he, he did. Because somehow I was being, being forgotten by the killers, even though they asked me <laughs> to go in light because they were busy stopping other people. Right. And uh, after a few minutes, one of them noticed I was still standing, say, oh no, we haven't killed that man. So you're just standing there next I'm to the I'm standing body. there. And he said, we have not killed that boy. Let me go and kill him. And as, as I saw him coming and I heard him saying that, I said the same. I say I changed the prayer. I said, "Lord, stop him in the name of Jesus." And immediately, unbelievable, he turned back, opposite direction. So he's running to you. He was running with to me. a machete. He said, ah, let me go and kill him. His knife. He was coming with a long knife, black handle, very terrible one. And as I saw him coming, I said, "Stop him in the name of Jesus." And he turned around immediately. He took a different direction and uh, there was nobody who called him. And this happened three times. The second time somebody was coming, say, guess what? The guy is still alive. We have not killed him. And he came to me, say, let me go and kill him. I said, in the name of Jesus, stop him. And I saw him taking a different direction. And the third time it happened. Now the fourth time it changed because I said the same prayer. I said, stop him in the name of Jesus. I'm I'm still trying to get my head around the fact that it worked three times. (laughs) Three times. Turning. Opposite direction. Now the fourth time, I said the same prayer. But it it didn't work. I said, maybe God knew that. How long was I going to say the prayer? And (laughs) and turning them back and and, then taking a different direction and then praying. Until when? Was I going to stay there? And then the, the next person came. I said, in the name of Jesus, stop him. He never stopped. He came, and as I opened my eyes, I saw him still coming. I said, stop him in Jesus' name. And he was right there before me with a knife pointing out to my, my bro. And I, he looked into my eyes. He was just watching me. And he said, what kind of person are you? Huh? I said, I am a man of God. Now, I didn't think about the answer I was going to give. Right. It's just something spontaneous. You yeah. know? I said, I am a man of God. Just like you can say that. Uh-huh. And he said, but I don't know what he heard. When I say I'm a man of God, he probably got a different response. Or maybe he interpreted it differently. He said, uh-huh. are you a man of God? I said, yes. If you are a man of God, let me go and ask them to let you go. Now, all the people who were being killed were men of God. <laughs> and, right. and, and some of them, you, you, they had the crucifix, this cross. Uh, so you could sign, see that like, they were Christian. The Roman Catholics, mm-hmm. they were Christians. Some of them had Bibles. And they were being killed. And the guy went back and he tried to negotiate. I saw him trying to beg the killers, let him go. But they said no. He came back. He said, do you have any money? 
so that we can bribe them. I said, I don't have money. Right. And uh, he said, there's no way out. Then all of a sudden I kept praying. There was a chief, another killer who seemed to be their leader sitting right. every roadblock had a group of killers and there was coordination. And so the, the chief killer kind of called. He mm -hmm. said, tell that boy to come to me. So I went. But uh, because he was sitting there, I thought he was going to kill me. Uh, about five meters, I stopped. I didn't go closer to him. Mm -hmm. And somehow he was busy. He didn't. I was st stopping there and he was busy. And then the same killer who went to negotiate for my uh, release, mm -hmm. he came back to me. He said, you said you are a man of God? I said, yes. If you are a man of God, why don't you go and claim your ID and leave? Now I said, well, this must not be one of the killers who is saying this. Must be the Holy Spirit, must be the holy angels of God. I must go and claim my ID. I said, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to ask for my ID. And you just walked away? Yes. And as soon as, like three, four meters, the, 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 the chief killer now, uh -huh. he shouted, he said, give him his ID and let him go. What? And I said, this is a miracle. I just <laughs> went. And uh, in fact, the, 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 the other killer who was trying to bargain, to negotiate for me, uh, for them to release me, he came and said, ah, it is amazing. And I felt it was a miracle from God. When you think of all the Bible characters that went through seriously difficult times, Job, Joseph, David, the classics, I have to be honest, I think Fodidas' story is up there with them. He's lost almost every member of his family to murder. His country is in ruins, his people hunted down and slaughtered, not to mention that he stared death in the face numerous times. And we're only halfway through. You may not believe it, but it only gets crazier from here. Stay tuned. You're listening to Why They Did That. All of God's people are called into ministry. But maybe the call on your life is more specific. Weimar College offers a fantastic four-year degree in religious studies to help prepare you for life as a missionary, teacher, Bible worker, or pastor. You'll learn how to study the Bible, how to share it, and how to apply these principles practically in the context of the gospel. If you feel this particular calling on your life, Check out weimar.edu for more information. Imagine. Imagine a time when one half of your country turns on the other. A time when it isn't safe to go outside, but it's even worse to stay in. Imagine a time when the sound of gunshots is the norm. When screaming and wailing is just white noise. Imagine a time when the damp forests are your home, when darkness is your pavilion. A time when church members kill other church members, when sanctuaries are defiled by murder and pastors open their doors to killers. And imagine being alone, all alone. Imagine being 
Fodidas. Just down the road, uh, before I crossed the city, there was somebody seated half naked and the road was blocked and all the militia were stopping everyone, Hutu, Tutsis, they were directing them to the killer. Mm. And I could see young men and women, children, old people, they were all lying, bleeding, and, and some of they, their heads had been smashed because he had a hammer. And part of that, part of the part was hammer, the other part was an axe. Mm. So he could strike you, just have you lie down. And he didn't care if you are completely dead or not. You As you just agonize down there, then someone else is coming and showing his ID. And wow. he decides whether to kill him. In fact, if he could just be mistaken about you, whether you are Hutu, he could also strike you because he was the, light, the final judge. He's just the one reading. And so when I was directed to him, mm. a guy took me by the, the, the collar of my shirt and he directed me to the killer. And he, I, he just dragged you over When I, I dragged me there. When I saw that, I prayed. Now I changed the prayer. I said, Lord, this man has no mercy. Please, if he fights, fight back on my behalf. And as I said that prayer, said fight on my behalf. Mm. Immediately, as soon as I said that prayer, I felt a hand pulling me back. Remember, there's a hand pulling towards the killer. And there's right. another one now. There's another one right in the collar of my shirt pulling me Behind back. Behind you. Yes. One is pulling forth. The other one is pulling back. And I turned. He said, where, where are you going? I said, I'm going to show my ID to that man. He said, no, you come back behind. There is a car behind here waiting for you. They are going to take you to another province. I said, of course, there was no way because the other guy is pulling. He want me to go and show right. the ID and die there. And uh, uh, now there was an argument between the two. The, other, the killer says, no, let him go and show the ID. The other one said, no, let him go back. The car is going to leave him. And now there was, I didn't have any plan with the car. I didn't know any car. So there's this random car that it's is a stopped random car. at a roadblock. Exactly. And they were going to just it take it. It wasn't even at a roadblock, but I mean, it was just a miracle. Miracles and Fodidas seem to be joined at the hip. But that doesn't mean there wasn't a struggle. Eventually, Fodidas was forced into the bushes, the forests, and the high grasses in order to escape capture. He spent the next 30 days or so living outside during the rainy season with barely any food at all. How he survived that long? Well, he'd tell you it was simply just another miracle of God. But he was soon to be faced with his biggest test yet. Militia in their thousands were seeking out the Tutsi survivors using every means necessary the government pushing them to mercilessly kill all they could find. And soon, they would stumble upon Fadidas. One day I was caught by a dog, and I saw it coming right in the bush, and uh, I tried to chase it away, but the dog will bark. It mm. barked and barked, and then they came following, and they say, it must have seen somebody. And then they say, oh, we found one. They say, come out, come out. So I went out. God gave me a courage. Now, you know, these people are hunting to kill you. And they have been killing people around you because they could discover people like at 100 meters, 
away from you and kill him right there mm-hmm. and you could hear just they are harming them with the hammer oh wow. and and so i knew it was my turn and i said a prayer and i stood up god gave me the courage i went i tried to shake the hand of everyone and as <laughs> i tried to shake the hand it was amazing so uh, you got up and you shook the hands of these uh, yeah, killers yeah i was greeting them the killers <laughs> but they were scared now They, they didn't want to shake my hand and the one who shook my hand just kind of he see oh he withdrew his his, his his hand immediately and then they said oh you look strong you're not weak yet you are going to dig your grave before we kill you we don't want to get tired you dig your grave first and after you have dug your grave then we can we can kill you so it was going to be terrible it was I was So they they told you to go and dig your own grave. I had to dig my grave. They gave me a hole, a digging tool, and uh, we were actually three because we, two of us were caught in that bush and uh, uh there was uh, another one who had been killed before and so they said we dig a big grave enough big so that three of us can go in. So I started digging, but I prayed. I said, "Lord, you promised to be with your people. Mm. And I have talked about the story of Daniel in uh, the lion's den. I talked about Shadrach, Meshach and in uh, these three boys, Hebrew young people in the fiery furnace and I talked about this and I convinced people that these were right stories. If I did not lie to people, show me that you are the same God. Mm. Show a miracle right here. And I was digging. You're just digging your own grave. Yes, and Praying. I was saying, Lord, what are you doing about this because they waited for the grave to finish and then to kill me uh-huh. and uh, i said lord you're doing nothing and i started now giving answers suggestions to god i said god you can bring about fire and when fire comes we'll all run uh and but so you god, you've got a plan for god yes yes <laughs> it's like as if i i actually thought uh, i would probably be smarter than god and right. uh, suggest him i said you can bring a fire i remember the case of elijah When Elijah was on Mount Carmel, uh-huh. right, and he prayed for fire to come, I said, maybe God can bring about fire. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, you bring fire. And so nothing happened. Uh-huh. It didn't bring fire, but the grave was getting closer. Uh-huh. And I said, Lord, the grave is going to finish. And when it finishes, they will kill me. And I said, why don't you bring about, maybe you bring a uh, thunder. And all of us are going to be scattered. But there was nothing like thundering. Mm. And I kept praying I said Lord you're doing nothing. I said you can give me wings and I will fly. <laughs> I thought God would give me wings and I would go to another country, either Burundi or Tanzania, but there was no wing. There was one of the killers. Just you know they are surrounding me. I'm digging and, and they, they are ready to kill me with their tools and 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 then one of the killers had my Bible. Mm. Because they caught me with the Bible. I always was with it. So even when you were in the bush, you kept your Bible with you? Yes. And so he looks at the Bible. He's opening the Bible. He's trying to read. Now, I actually learned, you know, to just understand the people and know that God is a wonderful God. He can save even the killers. Even among the killers, God had somebody who could read his word and listen to his voice. And then he said, he said man, I please, would you give me this book before you die? So obviously he wanted to have the Bible. He wants your Bible. And I said, <laughs> go ahead and take it because I reasoned that after all, if I fly, I, I'm not going to have time to go and negotiate for the Bible, right? <laughs> and so I said, 
uh, immediately uh, he was going to take it. So you were willing to give up your Bible because you thought you were going to get wings. I was going to to fly <laughs> or something was going to. God was going to do something. The unusual was going to happen. Right. And he kept reading, and I was digging, and I was praying, I was complaining. I said, Lord, what are you doing about this? And then immediately he said, No, listen, you guys, I know will kill this person, but I beg your pardon. Would you please allow me to dig for him? Wow. And I was going. He offered to help me. Just, just like is it Joseph who carried the cross of Jesus, uh-huh. he said, "I'm willing to help." And then they say, they all shout. They say, "Yeah!" After all, he's even delaying us. He's no longer strong. Let, you go ahead and help. And then we finish and we kill him. So he jumped into the grave. He dug. He was very strong, uh, and and I started complaining. Now I intensified my prayer. I said, "Lord, you're doing nothing. This grave is going to finish. They are going to kill me right away. You're doing nothing." And uh, God still had answers. God is, is amazing. He had a solution for that because as soon as the grave was finished, mm-hmm. I expected either God to walk out a miracle mm-hmm. or these guys to do something to kill me. Right. And uh, immediately, one of the killers, he shouted. He said, uh, man, we said we would kill this man in a very terrible way, but I don't think we should bury him in this graveside because this is our, our field. It was in one of the the, 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 the plots of the killers. Mm-hmm. We should not bury him here. And they said, only that man we killed before, we can bury him here. Let this boy, these boys go and dig another grave at the highway. After all, the highway belongs to the government, and it is the government which asked that we kill these people. So they didn't want to bury so you So the on grave their own was land. refused to me. Hmm. So this grave was given to someone else. So we had more chance. And uh, of course something changed everything when uh, one of the killers, you know, ironically, he said, why don't we pray for the guy we are going to bury? I felt like, no. So these are people who seemingly have heard of God, but they really don't know who God is. And I said, Lord, now my prayer is that you don't let me go until I I tell these people who you are because they are mocking you. They are praying for the people they have killed. And I said, Lord, they kind of making, you know, funny of your name. And I said, don't allow me to go. And I've learned that, you know, when you care for God's work, he cares for you. Hmm. Because I didn't mind now being uh, uh, flying or bring fire. No, I said, Lord, I have to do something about this first. Mm-hmm. After they finished to, to, to pray. But what kind of prayer? One of them was saying, Mary, mother of Jesus, receive him. Mary, mother. Obviously, they were Catholics and uh, they probably didn't know really. There was no prayer because Mary, mother of Jesus, receive him because you've killed somebody and you are praying. Mm-hmm. And after I said that, when we arrived at the highway, I asked the man, I approached the man who had my Bible. I said, can you give me that book? and allow me to say a word before I dig another grave. Now, I don't know what helped me to do that. But he said, yes, go ahead and say something. <laughs> Obviously, he was just with me, right? He right. was ready. This is the one that was digging the exactly. grave with Exactly. And he said, go ahead and say something. He gave me the Bible. So essentially then, what happened was this killer came and he set up a church for you. 
interesting. He kind of it was in our good environment, right? It was even going to be difficult, right? Because speaking to people who are standing was going to be difficult, but right. they all sat down. Now, they weren't even killers alone because even the villagers had come, the mothers, the children. And, this is and, incredible. And it was a good congregation, by the way. So I had <laughs> to preach now. But I was not the one preaching because mm. at such a time you will you really want to have a word to say. Right. But God was so amazing. He gave me a word. I started thanking them. I said, "Thank you guys for this time you've given me." And I want to thank you for one more thing that you have the culture of praying for the people you have killed but you are being mistaken you are wrong in doing this you don't know the god you are praying to because you have killed and yet you are praying and i told them besides the word of god says that uh, people who are dead we shouldn't even pray for them that's what ecclesiastes chapter 9 says that dead know nothing mm-hmm. no hatred no love everything is perished they don't have any hope so i told them the best way is for you to let them pray before they die let them pray for themselves before they die and i told them even you the only time you have now is for you to pray when you are still alive when you are dead don't think somebody is going to pray for you mm-hmm. that is a waste of time right or else we would just be praying for everyone who died and they will go to heaven and i told them i said now the people you are killing I tried to pass I said the people you are killing you are saying they are tutsis but you are being mistaken there are people who don't belong to those chip ethnic belongings anymore yes they can be identified as tutsis or hutus or whatever but there are people who have given their lives to Jesus and they belong to the heavenly kingdom mm-hmm. and I told them you can kill them but you will never stop them from going to heaven right all of us will ultimately die but the time is going to come when the resurrection will take place and uh, now i can't repeat the same sermon and uh, i i read a verse which is in first peter chapter 2 from verse 9 up to 10 which says you are a holy nation right mm-hmm. a people belonging to god and i was saying no there are people here and i wish you could be part of that group all of us will definitely die but there are people who are now a holy nation people belonging to the god of heaven who are no longer into your fights who don't see themselves as a hutus or tutsis and the fight you are fighting it is not a hutu fight it is the devil's battle you are involved in it is certain and so uh after about 15 minutes i saw some of them weeping wow i saw them wiping out their tears and uh, uh uh they were just looking at each other and some of them i saw some of them calling each other as if they were going to consult with one another and then come back and sit and and after after i finished to pray i expected god to walk out a miracle after i had finished the other grave i said now i'm ready now to go and dig another grave I said i'll f- offer the closing prayer after i finish to dig mm. but they didn't allow me to finish that sentence they shouted all of them shouted they said no 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 let this man go i don't think i'm with you anymore i let his blood be upon others because they thought i was going to be killed anyway wow. but they said no we can't kill him 
And when they all shouted, women who were there, children, adults, and uh, militia, everyone was just shouting the same thing. Now, one of the, the, the same chief killer, the one who said they should sit, he came and he took a word. He said, listen, now, do you allow us to release this man so that he goes away, so that his blood will not be upon us? And all of them said, yeah, please let him go, let him go. God had walked out a miracle. And uh, they just shouted, let him go. And he said, he said, you guys, you talk too much. If you say any, you tell anyone that we have released the Tutsi, we will be killed. They were endangering their life. It wasn't an easy decision because these are killers and the government has ordered this. And so if they release the Tutsi, it's as if they are also accomplices, right? Yeah. It's as if. So they are saying, no, if anyone knows that he is that we have released the Tutsi, they may come and kill us, but we'll kill you first. So they, they, risked your, they risked their own exactly. life to free you. But God was great. And so they said, no. I said, now, would you now allow me? Because I knew that was going to the last minute. I said, would you now allow me to pray for you before I leave? They said, go ahead and pray. So I said a prayer. I said, Lord, I was out of tears. I said, Lord, please, if you can, forgive their sins. And I said, Purify their hearts and help them to realize the battle they are, they are involved in. Help them to realize that this is the devil's battle and help them to repent and accept them. God saved my life for a purpose. Maybe somebody's life could be encouraged. There are people right now who may think that God doesn't care about them. There are people who may think that God doesn't answer prayers anymore. There are people who might think that they are going through a terrible, such a terrible crisis that God has abandoned them, but God never abandons these people. Following his prayer, Fudidas was allowed to leave peacefully, but not alone. The men who were so determined to take his life sent two of their own alongside him, taking him to their own home where they would hide and protect him until the genocide was almost over. Since then, Fudidas has married and together with his wife, they have three wonderful young boys. He's continued to teach and currently does so at Weimar College in California, where he is a valued member of the religion department. Rarely do you meet someone whose sheer courage alone inspires you to fully trust in the Lord. But in Fodidas, Dr. Fodidas Ndamu Mugabe, we have a man who lost everything, but never lost God. The Rwandans have a saying that God lived in Rwanda and that he only went to visit other countries. But after the genocide, people would say that in April 1994, God left Rwanda and he never came back. But when you listen to the story of Fodidas, the testimonies, the, the miracles, the victories, one thing is clear. In times of crisis, God isn't absent. In fact, in our very darkest moments, when the world is crumbling all around us, that's when God is most present. 
that has an ear, let him hear. And you just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or harken back to a previous episode, you can find us at whytheydidthat.org. Please also subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on your favorite social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Why They Did That. And this show was produced by the great and marvelous Christian Freed. Finally, we want to thank uh, Weimar Institute, the media department, and especially Teresa Costello for help making this possible. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. <laughs>